Welcome to Making Fit Work. I'm your host, Nina McGough, certified personal trainer and nutrition coach and busy mom of two. I'm committed to helping you get real results by sharing best practices and life hacks to staying consistent. I also regularly interview other busy professionals who have mastered the ability to juggle it all while staying the course with their health and fitness. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Making Fit Work. I'm your host, Nina McGough, and today I am here with Christine Brunelli. Christine, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Quick little bio on you. Christine is a mother of two young adults. She has 29 years of combined experience as a chiropractor, beauty salon owner, and business owner, and is now out of the private practice and working at the intersection of health and beauty, helping women glow from the inside out. I absolutely love that. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll dive deep and talk a little bit more about what that means. But first, if you don't mind telling our listeners here a little bit about you, your story, how did you get started just engaging in health and fitness? Okay, well, it's pretty interesting. It was my first job. It was a high school job. Before I did anything, I got a job in the gym. I mean, to the point where your parents have to sign working papers. I don't know even if they still do that when you're under 18, right? right? I was 16 and I started at the front desk. And before I turned 17, now I'm an 80s kid. I was in high school in the 80s. That dates me a little bit. But uh, when it was like, Jane Fonda aerobics with headbands and leg warmers and that whole thing, no certifications or any of that had to happen. They asked me if I'd be interested in teaching aerobic classes. And so here I am, not even 17 years old, leading these fitness classes for women. And that was the very beginning of my fitness journey. And it stayed with me all through my entire life. I went through teaching step aerobics to regular aerobics to being a personal trainer all my life. And I laid it down a little bit after my kids were born. My kids are 23 and 25. And, you know, when you're a new mom and, you know, the first couple of years, it's a little crazy to try to fit in workouts and all of that. And I still managed, but I wasn't as diehard as I used to be because it wasn't my job. And then I picked it up in about, oh, I don't know, 2008, 2010, something like that. And I got really back into it pretty heavy. And that's where it all started and where it brings me up to full circle. Now I'm, I'm, I teach for fun. It's not for a job. It's just a passion. Oh, that's so amazing. So tell me a little bit about that journey from being in it, doing it full time, and then the transition to like having kids. What was your health and fitness journey like during those years, those early years? So great question. You mean before having children and through having children? Yeah, like that difference in that (laughs) journey, that path. So I was the pregnant mama that was rollerblading behind my Siberian Husky who would pull me down the road at 15 miles an hour. (laughs) I was really so immersed in the fitness culture that I was scared to get a baby belly. Yeah. And so I stayed super active and I still worked out. I was still going to the gym, although I wasn't teaching classes. At that point, I was a chiropractor when I was pregnant. And so I was in private practice, but I was still working out like a, a very dedicated, very afraid to gain weight, all of that. 
And remember when I was five months pregnant, having a meltdown with my first child, my son, having a meltdown at five months because I couldn't button my jeans. I refused to buy maternity clothes. Uh Tells you a little bit about where this story is going, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) major body dysmorphia and body image issues. But after I, you know, I walked like crazy. I was super active, just didn't let any of my fitness go up through the birth. And then after he was born, it was just baby walks in the stroller, not so much going to the gym. So I was trying to balance being a new mom and private practice and being a new mom and private practice and seeing patients juggling the gym with that kind of fell to the wayside. So I was doing my own thing and I didn't pick it up again until my kids were in middle school going on a, I was doing home workouts, but not like the really tough. Back then I was in the mindset that if you're not sweating, you're not working hard enough. And, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. not drenched and you have to change your clothes and, you know, that was also the the fitness culture as well. And so I was still in that and I was all or nothing. So I thought, I'm just going to do my own thing and watched my foods still walked and still rollerbladed and did all the active fitness things, but I didn't get back into the gym until they were about in fifth and sixth grade, something like that. Oh, so that's a big, it was a big big pause. It was a big gap. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that because you slightly mentioned body image and a little bit of body dysmorphia while you were pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. So how did that affect that pause, that five-year pause from the gym? (laughs) big time. So because I had this meltdown, I had a lot of support. It's not that I had pressure from anyone on the outside, Mm -hmm. but that meltdown at five months pregnant with my firstborn didn't hit me that I had body dysmorphia. It didn't Mm -hmm. register that I had anything going on at the time. That didn't happen until 20 some years later. I don't know, several years later, but I think I gave up. I think I felt like I'm I'm in the mom bod now, right? Yeah. So I can't do it the way it's supposed to be done. So I'm just going to hide under big baggy clothes. Mm-hmm. And at that time, leggings and boxy sweaters were, you know, that was <laughs> a while ago where that was the fashion. I married that fashion. I didn't show. And I, you know, when I look back at those photos, I wasn't very big. I only gained about 36 pounds with my first baby. And oh so, you know, and that was because I was so meticulous about my food and worried about my weight and all of that, that I, I just hit it. And I think I was subconsciously really developing more body dysmorphia, but unaware. I had During no self-awareness. Time. Yeah. So I was super, where I see, think it affected me most was, you know, I was married and my intimate relationship where it didn't affect me around other people because I probably had that spirit of comparison where I felt like I was more fit because I was still doing home things. You know, I was still walking. I was still active, still watching my diet, but I had that, that comparison thing. And I think a lot of women do that. I know we do it where I would look at other women and go, well, am I, as, am I that size? Am I as big as her? You know? (laughs) And so I went while I was not going to the gym, I wrestled with that, but it was in intimacy, intimate moments with my husband where I didn't want him to touch me around my waist, around my stomach, all of that super self-conscious. And I was breastfeeding. So, you know, Mm -hmm. they get very excited. A lot of men love that, right? Like, and I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm so big. My shoulders are big. Everything feels so big. Don't touch me. That is where I think I still didn't notice that I had a problem. I didn't know. 
So that was what it looked like. That was what the journey was. So instead of me having self-awareness and saying, wow, you really have body image issues. Right. I took it as no, I was like super fit girl. And now I'm not. And until I can be again, I just am going to hide and shut down and put a wall around me and not let anyone see what I really look like. Oh, <laughs> I can totally relate to that. I felt like that a lot after more so after my first, it's a big change, right? Like nobody really tells you about those feelings. Right. <laughs> like you just aren't aware that you're going to have these feelings about your body and how it looks and that transition. So I, I can totally understand. So, okay, fast forward, you start re-entering the gym world again. Yeah. So how did that make you feel? Like, were you excited to enter the gym world again? Were you doing it out of feeling like you needed to? Yes. Where, so yeah. this is a, this is really interesting. So I have, my background is in competitive figure skating and ballroom dance. So when you think about where body image issues stem from, a lot of times it stems from our childhood and who speaks about body around us and what your expectations were in whatever sport or extracurricular activity you participate in. And of course, figure skaters, you know, you burn tons of calories anyway, but if you're being lifted by a partner, you have to be a certain weight. And so I had all of that leading up to shaping me, leading me up to when I got back in the gym again. And I got back in the gym because someone said to me, you've got to try. It's when spinning first came out, the very first spin bikes. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. they you could, yeah. So years and years before Peloton and all that stuff, you could, you know, they would have spin classes and I had to go at 5am and I went because I had accountability. I was ready for my body to get pre-baby. And so I thought yeah. it, the only way I'm going to do it is to just burn the heck out of everything. I'm going to burn these size. And you know, I was probably a size eight at that point. So, you know, that's not obese. It wasn't anything, you know, crazy, but it was not tone. I was not super strong. I was just doing cardio and some home stuff. And so I started doing this spin class at 5 a.m. Nina, I hated it, hated it. And so I, I went with her a few times and I was in this class. I thought, wow, I'm a, around my colleagues. It was all physicians and surgeons. And I was validated in my choice of what to do because if cardiac surgeons are taking spin class, you know, there's a benefit, right? They're, right. they're seeing the benefit of it, but I, I didn't, it didn't resonate. And then Zumba came out mm. and I have ballroom dance background and I took a Zumba class. It was in the same gym where spin was. It wasn't at 5 a.m. <laughs> and I fell in love. I, you know, jazzercise was a little too not my style. Right. Zumba, I, I just was like, I can do this. Oh my gosh, it was so natural because I had choreography background and super fun. And that is what got me hooked into finding something I loved that I could do every single day, not dread it. I didn't, I didn't not look forward to it. It was my cardio portion of my workout that got me back in the groove, but I know that I know enough and I knew enough that I had to be strength more than cardio, but yep. that class is what got me back in the gym. And then I added the weights back into my life. Awesome. So, okay. That was five years after, right? Like yeah. once you get back in. So how did that fitness journey start to evolve to the point where you are now, right? Like now you're helping women glow from the inside out. What has happened over the years that are bringing you to this spot? 
Oh, that's a great question. So this is a, you know, a little bit about this history. Mm -hmm. About six years ago, I went into a personal fitness journey of thinking I am going to fit in my high school clothes again. And high school, Christine. Yep. Yep. And so (laughs) we're talking serious body dysmorphia. But, you know, I I didn't think high school. So hold on. Let me pause you for a second. At this point, did you realize you had no. some sort of body dysmorphia? No. Still, still no. Okay. I was, here's where my mindset was. If I don't, because I became teaching, I started teaching Zumba for fun. So I was in oh, the gym, okay. right? Four days a week. I'm still practicing chiropractic. I'm still being mom. I'm still doing all of that. But I was teaching four classes a week. I was flying to the Caribbean three times a year on contract with resorts to teach in the Caribbean. I was doing vacation relief for the entertainment teams and salsa wow. dancers and all of that. So I was, you know, in a bikini. I was, you know, on the beach. And in my mind, I had to have the look, yeah. right? There was this thing, and I really do believe it's dated. I think it comes from my background and my age. I'll, I'm not ashamed to say I'm 55, mm-hmm. but I grew up with, if you don't look the part, you're not going to get hired. If you don't mm-hmm. look the part, they're not going to respect you or follow you. And you want to be something that they can aspire to. Well, mm-hmm. at this point, five, when this whole thing started, I was a size six a firm size six. I wasn't flabby. I was a healthy size six. And I just decided I want to be thinner, stronger, faster, you know, like Christine (laughs) 3.0. And uh, (laughs) I, when I started on this journey, I just went as extreme as you can imagine. I was doing things like two protein shakes a day and one meal a day with a snack of six almonds in between. Like I would count it. I was doing two a day workouts because my son was a football player. He played tackle football for 12 years. And, you know, I was inspired by their two a day workouts. And I thought, huh, they're working out two times a day. They're getting really fit for the season. I can do two a days. And so I adopted that into my practice of if I really was getting ready to fly down to the Caribbean and teach, I would get up and do a morning workout and then do an, an evening workout. And All of that was, of course, shedding weight. I'm really restricting my foods. I eliminated all white sugar, all white flour, all empty carbs. When I say empty, I mean, they don't really pack nutritional value. They just taste yummy. Yeah. (laughs) I went in all of the extremes. I was counting everything. Still didn't know I had body dysmorphia. I thought I was being the perfect image of health, right? I am Mm. aspiring to be this healthy person hit size four, people started asking me, what are you doing? My private practice and chiropractic, my patients were saying, what are you doing? I need help. I want to do whatever you're doing. I got to size two. The praise was off the charts and people were saying, okay, you need to help me. I started health and wellness coaching inside my private practice, helping women lose weight. And because that was, it just built from there, right? It's really hard to acknowledge you have any disordered anything when you're getting praise for it. So Mm -hmm. I was getting all this praise for my body changing and I hit a size zero. Wow. When I hit size zero, when I look at those photos now, I thought I still hadn't arrived yet. But when I look back, I was almost too thin. I wasn't anorexic thin, but you know, sometimes when women lose too much weight, their face can get sunken in, you know, Mm. there's some change. And I had that change. Well, in this whole process, Nina, of me going through this whole fitness journey of size six to size zero and realizing I still don't like my body. I still didn't know I had an issue. Right. And then 
I got a wake up call. And that's where my daughter's story comes in. (laughs) Right. How old was she and how old were you around this time of your life? Okay. Where was this in your journey? She was, this was, let me, I have to do the math. (laughs) Let's see. She's 23 and I think she was seven. So this was six years ago. So I was 49, 48. I was, it was 49 when she was diagnosed with clinical anorexia. But it was in my, you know, 43 up to 49, those years, I was just in my own world of all the restricting, the double workouts that, you know, she watched me do all of that. So that that was the in in my 40s. In that time, did you feel like you were setting a healthy example? Yes. For like the pillar of like fitness and health? Yes. Yes. I mean, why wouldn't I? I'm not eating any foods that are, you know, if they didn't have eyeballs or sunshine to grow, I didn't eat it. (laughs) Right. And I was exercising and we all want our kids to learn from us and model from us, but I was over exercising and under eating. Mm. Okay. So this is a journey between like 43 to 49. Yes. At what point did you realize your daughter now had a journey of her own that she was going through? Yes. So Senior in high school, healthy kid, beautiful, gorgeous daughter, very active, physically active. And she started losing weight. And I thought it was because of a breakup with a boyfriend. Uh, You know, we'd go through that in high school, you know, women get divorced, they lose weight. I just attributed it to that. That was in around, that was around October of her senior year, December of her senior year. The girl just looked runway gorgeous. Everything on her body draped beautifully, whatever she wore. And I said some things to her that I regret so much, but I didn't know they were the wrong thing to say at the time. You are gorgeous. You are, I wish I had your discipline. You look beautiful. I was praising her for her weight loss. We crest January 1st, we roll into February, March, and I realized she's not eating. And I started to get messages from people saying, we're worried about Elizabeth. My daughter's name is Elizabeth. And It wasn't until we flew home. I live in Seattle, but my family is on the East Coast. I'm a Jersey girl. And I took her home for an annual family reunion. And we're going to the beach at the Jersey Shore. And she comes out of the dressing room where she puts on a bikini. And I felt like I got kicked in the gut, like roundhouse kicked in the gut. Mm -hmm. I saw my baby girl look so skeletal, almost like Nazi concentration camp. And I'm not Mm -hmm. exaggerating. I could see her hip bones, her collarbones, her ribs, everything. And she was hiding under layers and layers of clothes. And that's what eating disorder, when they're, when they're restricting and they get that bad, that's what they do. So you have no idea. You see it in their face, but until you see it in their body, you don't really know because they're so good at masking it. And I couldn't say anything. I, I, want, I cried. I turned around. I had tears in my eyes and thought, oh my gosh, this has been happening right in front of my eyes. How did I miss this? And she finally opened up to me and we talked about it and we got her in therapy and uh, she was borderline having to be in 24 seven care. And uh, it was intense. It was in her mental health therapy. One of those appointments where I realized that I had a huge, I didn't, I didn't cause her eating disorder, but I realized that my disorder influenced her choices and influenced Mm. her body image And, you know, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong, but that is when it took her getting severely anorexic for me to have a face-to-face come to Jesus moment. Oh my gosh, I'm disordered. 
Mm. And then I learned when you're in eating disorder therapy, that's where you learn how the culture is really teaching women that we have to shrink to be beautiful Mm. and we have to become less to be more, you know, and that overcoming bodily functions that are normal is willpower. And so Mm. I went through a course of my own healing while she was in hers. Yeah. So did you go to therapy with her? I went not with her. They, they have to go through their own private. I went to a few. I also, she had four appointments a week. The girl was borderline kidney and liver failure. So Mm. she had mental health therapy, nutrition therapy, Mm. blood draws, everything you could do. She was under 24 hour surveillance. And so I went in my own therapy and one of her therapist was a nutrition therapist, the one that entered that helped her refeed because they have to refeed these girls that go through Mm -hmm. severe anorexia like that. I sat Mm -hmm. with her and I remember sparring with her a little bit because I have a a health background, right? Right. And she was telling my daughter, you know, caramel frappuccinos are okay. McDonald's and Big Macs, it's okay. And all this food was okay. And in my head, I was still, no, it's not. (laughs) You know, and and so I had I had a little bit of a resistance to hearing how they were helping her refeed. I couldn't separate. I couldn't make a separation between somebody that was going to die because she wasn't eating enough to being healthy. I was on the other extreme saying, but diabetes, you can't keep pumping sugar into somebody's body. Their pancreas is going to give out. Anyway, that nutritionist was super patient with me realized I was disordered, just not severe disordered to the point of where my daughter was. And she's the one that brought me along. And I learned so much from her. And my journey now has brought me to a place where I'm okay. If I don't work out every day, I'm okay. I, it's been a long process. And once you have an eating disorder, it doesn't go away. You always Mm. have the risk of falling back into it. So it's something that I'm super aware of, but at my age, I feel like I have a little bit more control. My daughter is in her twenties and it's going to be hard for her. She's, she has, it's a struggle still every day. Yeah. You were mentioning your daughter and like her college years and that moment of her coming out of the bathroom. It made me think I actually had a roommate in college who was anorexic. And at the time in the very beginning, I was just kind of like, had that moment of like, oh, she just loves to exercise a lot. And, you know, I used to exercise too. Like I was really into fitness not to that degree. My aha moment with her is, I mean, she was 95 pounds. Yeah, She had to actually weigh in every single week on Fridays with the nurse's office in Mm -hmm. order for her to stay in school. And that wasn't something I knew at first when we first moved in and as, you know, her journey opened up. But I remember her saying to me, and I was always like an average person, right? Like Mm -hmm. not super fit, (laughs) not overweight, but just kind of in the middle and just someone who picked up fitness and enjoyed it. And I remember her looking at me and she was like, oh my God, you're so fit. I wish I had abs like you. Wow. I was like, in my head, I'm staring at her and I'm thinking, but I can literally see your muscles and your skeleton popping through your skin. Like what the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was when I came to learn about body dysmorphia, not just mm-hmm. eating disorders. Yes. Because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Your muscles and veins and your bones are literally popping through your skin. I'm just average college body, someone who likes to work out. And she was just like, I want to be like fit like you. 
And I'm like, huh? You know, like you weigh 40 pounds. Yeah. Or at the time, probably like 30 pounds less than I do. Yeah. So yeah, that, that brought to light a lot of stuff for me and just kind of what body dysmorphia really looks like and means. But let's get back to the journey. So this happens, obviously you're going through your own therapy. Your daughter's going through hers. When did you have an aha moment at any time where you really started to make the connection between just kind of what diet culture and the fitness industry feeds us to what really, like, where did you start to make that transition for what fitness and health looked like or should look like or should feel like for you? Yes. So I always had a really good grip on what healthy exercise should look like. Mm -hmm. Because I found an exercise that I loved, healthy movement, right? I found a dance fitness thing that I enjoyed. I don't love pushing weights. I do it Mm -hmm. because I know it's good for me, right? I know Mm -hmm. that's what's really, if I want to change my body, I know strength is what's going to do it. So I always had that really buttoned down. It was the food and the restriction and all of that that I didn't have buttoned down. And through my daughter's eating disorder, when she was in her refeeding, that's when I finally reconciled that I could eat cheesecake and not, my body's not going to change. And I'll never forget sitting at a restaurant with her. She would get overwhelmed girls with anorexia to her degree. And she was down to eating 56 calories a day, (gasps) 56. She was proud of it. She was tracking it on my fitness pal. And so we were at 80 pounds losing hair, you know, all the things. I mean, it was, it was really scary and she wanted to order dessert. And we were sitting there and I said, sure, let's have it. And she said, well, will you eat it with me? And at this point I was in my own treatment, you know, like trying to be a supportive mom with a daughter with an eating disorder, not really realizing I had one too. It just looked different. You know, I wasn't Mm. to the point where she was, but it was still disordered. And I had to eat the cheesecake to save my daughter's life. That's really what I, I attributed to is I never would have in all of those years of me kind of going down from my size six to size zero, cheesecake wouldn't touch my lips. Pizza didn't touch my lips. Nothing with sugar, right? I didn't do any of that. It took her recovering and asking me, would you share it with me? Mm-hmm. You know, I did that. And I realized, wow, my body didn't change. <laughs> it seems so simple to someone that doesn't understand it or has never been there. But right. it really took her crisis for me to see that I was also in crisis and then to share eating things with her because she had to eat everything. She couldn't restrict anymore. Mm -hmm. And I participated in that with her. So in a sense, it was her healing journey and her refeeding Mm -hmm. that got me to see that I didn't have to be so ridiculously strict and that I could live life a little bit, right? And then I got on the other side and realized, oh my gosh, all of my self-worth is wrapped up in my size, all of it. For her, it was people that develop eating disorders, usually it's not about body dysmorphia and it was not for her. It turned into that. Hers started with wanting to control, right? She had anxiety. She had a boyfriend breakup. She had all these things spinning in her life. And so one thing that she could control was food. For Mm. me- it was body dysmorphia. And it was because I wanted to look a certain way. And then I used eating disorder to feed my body dysmorphia. And so when I came out on the other side, I realized, oh my goodness, I'm doing this for external validation. It's not just because I want to feel good. It's not because I want to control anything. It's because I want people to look at me and think I'm doing a good job. 
right? Yeah. It's that praise of, and I want, you know, I want to be that model on the magazine, fully knowing that model on the magazine, those fitness models, they're fully airbrushed, right? They use everything to shrink and, and, oh, you know, the boobs are bigger, the waist is smaller, you know, all the things. And I knew it, but I still would aspire to it. And I realized that I did not have a very strong sense of self-worth and it all hinged on my self-worth, all of it. For my daughter, yeah. it hinged on control. But for right. me, so for me coming out on the other side, I realized, oh my gosh, I need approval. I need to be, I was a people pleaser. I was a perfectionist. I had all mm. of these side effects of a low self-worth and it showed up, it manifested in body dysmorphia. Yeah. Oh, Christine. I think so many people who get into, I, well, I don't want to say get into the fitness industry young. I think get into the fitness industry at any time, struggle with that a little bit, right? Right. Like, I mean, I know I've thought it plenty of times as a fitness professional, like I have to look a certain way. People are only going to want to work with me if I look X, Y, Z, right? Like look like the lady on the magazine or the elite athlete on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. And it, it's hard work kind of getting over that and realizing that that's not what fitness and health is about. So not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you end up landing where you are now? Like yeah. I see you on social. We've obviously connected on business stuff in the background. Right. That's how we know each other. I mean, when I see you, I just see this, like your smile, your eyes, just, they radiate. You're so confident. You're always glowing. So how did you come over the last few years to that? Oh my gosh. What a journey. You know, what's interesting when I was going through all of that body dysmorphia, I still would hear people say, you're so confident because I didn't, I didn't know I wasn't right. Mm -hmm. I was just playing this part of, because I wanted to be a people pleaser. I overextended and I overserved and I overworked out and I under ate and I did all these things. And it looked like confidence today. Mm -hmm. It's really confident. It's true confidence. It's authentic. And, you know, I started actually, when I met you, I was just starting to bring awareness to body dysmorphia and eating disorders on social media. And right. I started that, you know, I started an Instagram account because I realized in all of my therapy and everything that I learned that so much of this is generational and mm. we pass it from mother to daughter or caregiver to child. If you don't think you are, you really are simple things. I learned you come downstairs. If you're going on a date night, and you ask your kids how you look in a certain outfit, which outfit makes me look thinner. I used mm. to do that with my kids all the time. And I had all of these aha moments in my therapy of going, oh my gosh, I shaped their, in, their, their relationship with their body image by watching. They watch, they learn by watching, right? And yeah. so I went on social media to try to help moms not make the same mistakes I did. Right. Right. So please don't just drink coffee for breakfast. <laughs> Please don't ask your kids these questions. Don't compliment your child's weight loss. Mm. Don't make body part of the conversation. And right. I have done that for the for about 10 months in 2021. And yep. I, I attracted a lot of people that were interested in what I had to say. And I can come from a place of full confidence saying, this is a mistake. 
when you do this, you're teaching your children to value their shape and size more than value who they are. And I am on the other side of being able to help and nurture women that are stuck in that, but they have to first realize they have a problem. And it wasn't until about December of 2021, when I met with someone who said, you're you're doing a cause, your Instagram is like a cause. And I was trying to do it as a business, right? To help women in coaching and health and help them, you know, maybe get more fit and more healthy, but not cause, be a healthy role model for their kids, right? Mm. I'm going to help you do this, but do it in a way that you're a healthy role model. But all they cared about was weight loss. Everyone's biggest thing is really the average is I want to lose 30 pounds. That's the average across the board for most women. 88% of women in the United States have body image issues. 88% is so high. And so I couldn't get through, right? I felt like I kept hitting a wall. And this person that is a, a business expert said, you're hitting a wall because even though what you're saying is true, you're still you're not helping them because all they care about is weight loss. They don't know they have a problem. And it just literally hit me in December, this past December, I didn't know I had a problem. I wouldn't have listened to me either. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, yes, it's great information, but the people that I was talking to and attracting were people that had already been through it. They understood it. It is such an important topic to talk about how we as moms, as parents handle body and health and fitness and all of this, because our kids are learning. And until we realize how we're handling it, we're not going to realize we need help. Yeah. Yeah. That's, does that answer your question? Yeah, it did. Okay. It did, but I, (laughs) it definitely did. It just got me thinking about like, yes, I remember when I was on my weight loss journey after my second and trying to be very cautious of not talking about weight loss in front of my first, who was like two, three at the time, but very smart, obviously very observant. They listen to everything we say, even when we think they're not listening, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I remember once... I did say in front of him, he was like eating a snack at the table, right? And like in the other room, I said to my husband, I lost four pounds, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was like excited that like I was starting to move the dial a little bit. And, you know, I didn't really, and my husband was like, okay, that's great. You know, didn't really think anything of it. And my son, who was three at the time, was like, that's not good, mom. Where did your pounds go? Oh my gosh, so cute. (laughs) And then I caught myself because I was like, ooh, I always said that I wouldn't talk about weight loss in my body. Even though they're boys, I think they deal with the same type of stuff, right? Like, I think it's important to not separate just girls and boys when it comes to the conversation about body image. And and he was like, where did it go? And then I caught myself like, shoot, how do I explain? He's only three. I don't want to not tell him what I'm talking about. But at the same time, like, I don't want to tell him what I'm talking about because I don't want him to think that, like, I care so much about my body and the size and what the scale says. And I think that moment, because I'll never forget it, he was just like, where did your pounds go? I was like, I need to stop caring about this and Mm -hmm. just focus on being strong, being healthy, focus on caring about the things I want to talk to him about. Yes. The things that I don't want to be ashamed of saying in front of him, Mm -hmm. the things that I do want him to learn and talk about. Those are the things if I focus on them, they'll be easier to talk about in front of him and then hopefully shape his mind to thinking about strength and health versus weight loss, smaller numbers, more Mm -hmm. calories. Right. Right. 
or less calories, I should say. I get it. I used to say things like, you've heard it too, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. Oh my God, yeah. You know, if I eat that taco, those tacos are going to go right to my thighs. All of those little comments, our kids listen. They hear them, they grow up with them. And now, you know, I went, I did a deep dive into body image and all of this because I was coaching women all last year and helping them. And five-year-olds are announcing now in the US, five-year-olds are announcing they're going to go on a diet. Well, five-year-olds don't really go on a diet. They hear mommy say it, they repeat it. But what's happening is eight-year-olds really are. So by the time they're eight-year-olds, little girls, more than boys, it is both genders, but little Mm -hmm. girls have more pressure on them and more pressure. A lot of times, if you look at like Disney films or anything in, this is such a infiltrated subject and we can go off on tangents, but the bigger girls are usually the comedic sidekick. They're not the one that gets the handsome prince. They're, you know, it's usually this beautiful little peanut of a, of a princess. Mm -hmm. Right. And now we have eight-year-old little girls in the United States who are saying I'm on a diet and they truly are restricting. They're watching what they eat. They're hearing what mom might be saying or a caregiver might be saying. And then they have the influence of everything on the outside because that's when kids start to say things, right? Right. That's where it's starting. And it does start with the home. If there's safety in the home, it's so much healthier. If there's a healthy balance, yes, we need to be fit. We should be fit. We the Obesity is a problem. You know, diabetes and heart disease are problems. They're the top killers, you know, of women. They, they're mm-hmm. taking lives faster than anything, more than anything for years and years and years. So we do have to be cognizant of what we eat. We have to be aware of how much we move our body. We can't be sedentary. I'm a chiropractor. You know, I know right. what sedentary lifestyle does to your joints, does to your body. And right. carrying extra weight on your frame over a certain amount is not good for your spine. It's not good for your ankles and your knees. It's not designed to carry that. So I do have a balance of being able to recognize when it's not healthy and when it is. In my mind, there's no such thing as 10 extra pounds, right? I I want to eliminate that. But if you were thinking in the terms of 10 extra pounds, 10 extra pounds isn't hurting your brain. It's not hurting your heart health. It's not hurting, you know, those things that the things that we think, if I could just lose those 10 pounds, that 10 pounds isn't changing anything. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me now, like, how did you take all that experience, that journey, and how are you helping women now? I love this glow from the inside out. I love that because it sounds so much more than just diet and exercise and being fit to glow or to shine Mm -hmm. or to stand out. So tell me about that now. Yeah. So I shifted after that conversation with that business person this past December that said, you know, you're speaking to women who don't understand that they have an eating disorder or that they're Mm -hmm. disordered or any of that. I had a private time with my, my work of what I was doing. And I looked at the program that I was offering. And in my program, I started right out of the gate with nutrition and exercise and all the things that we would do for health coaching. But in the end of my program, my coaching program, I ended with beauty and fashion because I own a beauty salon. (laughs) So that was natural, right? So how to do your hair, do your makeup to feel more confident because some those little simple things that are not detrimental to our health really help us feel more confident. I flipped it. And so now instead of starting with weight loss, I'm starting with beauty out of respect, actually for those with 
eating disorders, but mostly my daughter, I'm never going to put fitness videos on Instagram or social media. I'm never going to show myself exercising. I'm never going to show I'm only eating this much because I don't want to be the person that trips her up or sends her backwards. So now I'm talking about beauty first. And if someone comes into my program, they're going to learn all the things that they can fix that's fast. I can give you a quick win. If you need help with anything, with image consulting is basically what I'm doing in the front end. And then in the back end and inside my coaching program, I'm going into nutrition. I'm going into how are you moving your body? How does your body feel? Does it ache? Maybe we can look at like inflammatory foods. Maybe you're eating something that's causing joint inflammation and working and approaching health that way. So now I'm glowing from the inside out because I'm helping glow with the beauty in the front, right? When you first meet me, you're going to hear all about hair, makeup, fashion, all of those things. So you shouldn't wait because a lot of women do. They postpone buying clothes because they don't like their body. I did it. I know they do it. We're not doing that anymore. We're going to go out there and we're going to look our absolute best. And then we're going to start working on things that might need a little bit more help on the health end of things. And so a lot of what makes us glow isn't makeup because you can be an alcoholic and have all the makeup in the world and it's still going to show in your skin and your eyes, right? Same thing with diet. If you have a poor diet that's too high in salt, too high in caffeine, too high in anything, you know, if you're not moving your body, you're not purging your pores, you're not sweating, all of that stuff helps us glow and helps us look more beautiful, but you also feel more confident when you're taking better care of yourself. So that's what I'm doing. That's amazing. I love that. Tell everyone listening, where can they find and learn more about you? Like what would be the best way to get in touch? Yeah. So find me on Instagram. Christine Brunelli. And I think you're going to have that linked in the show notes. My website is actually under construction right now because I'm, I'm revamping it to, you know, I just said, I recently just flipped everything to start with beauty first. So you can find me at christinebrunelli.com, but it'll have some body image stuff there, but it's in the process of being shifted. So Instagram and Facebook are the best way to reach me. And you can always send me an email through my website or a DM and Instagram. I love to connect. This is a topic I'm passionate about. That's awesome. And Christine, one last question. How do you make fit work for you now? Because I mean, you're so busy. You just transitioned out of being a salon owner. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about what you're doing. Yes. So I have never been, obviously from my story, you probably figured that out. I've never been a person that says I don't have time because you make time for what's important to you, right? Absolutely. And so now if I only have 15 minutes, I use that 15 minutes. I used Mm -hmm. to be in the camp. What can I do in 15 minutes? But if I only have 15 minutes because I didn't plan my day out well, or the day got away from me to do something that was fitness related, I walk, I'll go out and walk. And oftentimes that 15 minutes turns into 20 (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I don't walk like holding my dog, letting him touch every bush. I like go out and walk and I move my body. That is how I do it now. So I give myself grace. If the day gets away from me, I don't beat myself up, but I do shoot for making sure I'm moving my body in some way every day that's joyful, that gets me away from the routine, that makes sure that I don't fit in the camp that's sedentary. And if I don't have time to get to the gym, that's what I do. I find whatever time I have and I just walk. We can all do that. That's amazing, Christine. Thank you for being on here and sharing your journey with me. I can't wait for this episode to air. Yay. Thanks for having me. It was so good to connect with you again. Same. Great to talk to you, Nina. 
All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Making Fit Work. If you did, it would mean so much to me if you took a minute to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference and would be super helpful to me. Also, if you have any topic suggestions, if there's something in particular you'd love for me to address on this podcast, feel free to shoot me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and find me at fitwith underscore Nina. Again, you can find me at fitwith underscore Nina, or you can join my private community on Facebook called Making Fit Work and drop topic suggestions in there. Until next time, my friends, be strong, be healthy, be happy.